Welcome to Parkview. We're glad you're here. Amen, right? I know. We forget this. You're, you're not going to forget it after today, promise you. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. God's given us a little reprieve in the weather so we get the lights up. It's a really, really good weekend. Had a good time. I still got my daughter here from L.A. and uh, had one of my other daughters in. Didn't get all three, but we had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope that you did too. Uh, just an awesome time to, to stop and be thankful and, and, and to be ready for you know what God is going to do in the future. And I, I just want to say this, because I, I had to stop myself last night. I don't know Naeem really well. I mean, we just met this summer and I booked him instantly because you're going to love hearing his story, but we didn't know each other very well. And as I was showing him around yesterday, him and his brother Mahmoud, who were here together, I, I was just showing him around. I was telling him about what God has done here. It just caused me to kind of have one of those moments where, you know, sometimes you just need to stop and, and realize what God, where, where you're at. And you need to, too. I mean, what goes on here at Parkview is not the common church experience. And even if you're watching this on the Internet right now, you need to understand that God is in this place and we should be thankful. So I just want to stop for a second and say thank you to God because it's kind of like that's what we ought to do, shouldn't we? Let's just do that together. Lord God, as I was, as I was showing Naeem and Mahmoud around yesterday and showing them this new building, new chapel, getting ready to go in and telling them the story of... And we're going to do 14 Christmas Eve services and, and all, the, all the goofy stuff that you do around here. Just every once in a while, I kind of, you know, I kind of forget. I get caught up in my own stuff and, and I kind of forget what a privilege it is. This is what Debbie said a minute ago. What a privilege it is to, to be able to have a chance to come to a place like this and to know that you're here. And I, I know that you don't in, inhabit the, the presence of buildings necessarily. That's not, this is not a temple. We are the temple. But there's something special about coming together like this. And what you've done here and what you are doing, the 500 baptisms, the 300 kids that got sponsored last weekend, different things that, that are just going on that are just incredible for us. I, we just want to stop and say thank you. And, and I guess for those of us on the team are thinking forward to 10 live services here and four at Lockport for Christmas Eve, we, we want to pray right now in advance for Thanksgiving for the things that you're going to do in the hearts of our family and our friends that we're going to be bringing and people that we're going to invite. Just pray that you'll be with us as that time draws near very quickly. And, and bless us, Lord. Thank you, because you do. We don't even need to ask. You just are amazing. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Naeem Fazel is a guy, who, you're going to hear his story today. I just want to let you know right up front, um, he's got a book coming out, um, which is not ready yet, but you can pre-order it on Amazon, and I would love for you to do that, because the more of us that pre-order it, the more pressure we'll be putting on Thomas Nelson to actually print the sucker and get it out, okay? I understand how publishing works at this point, all right? It's going to be, it's going to be out hopefully, uh, you know, within six or eight months or a, or a year or, you know, ten years or whatever they decide to do. That's how publishing works. I'm getting to know this. Uh, but, but you got to, just, just go on and pre-order. You're going to want the story. You're going to want to do it after you hear the story today. As I said, I heard him speak this summer, told us story. I walked up to him instantly and said, I got to have you at Parkview. I mean, this is a story of a a guy who who grew up in Kuwait, who who grew up as a Muslim, who had an experience with Jesus that is, I'm just not going to spoil it anymore. Uh, It's just something that you need to hear. He's a good friend. He's already loved you guys. I want you to love him back. Will you welcome Naeem for me right now? Thank you. One more time, baby. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Well, good morning, Parkview Church. This is a amazing. I want to rename you guys as the Red Bull Church. Can I do that? Because your energy is infectious. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. Yes. Woo. To that too. 
Yes, it's, it's amazing. It's great to be here with you guys. It is wonderful. Now, what your pastor didn't tell you is uh, that uh, uh, English, for me, is a second language. It's not my first language. In fact, I'm a Pakistani, so I speak Urdu. Any Pakistanis in the house? I figured. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, but what's funny, though, is that I grew up in Kuwait, which is an Arab country, and so I grew up uh, learning Arabic. But then my dad and mom had this brilliant idea to put me in an Indian school. Like, dot, not feather, just so you know. Yeah, and so, did you just get that? You're still getting it. Getting it, okay. So, you got Urdu, you got Arabic, you got Hindi, and then the curriculum was in English. So I got all kinds of languages in my head. What I realized is that English is hard. For example, there are certain words I cannot say. Case in point, this word right here. What is that? How do you say that? Scroll. Did I say it? Scroll? Scroll. What? Scroll. That's it. Okay, true story. I did not know that I could, I could not say this word until one day I realized in mid-conversation. Here's the story. True story. My wife and I were, we were just recently, uh, you know, it was the, our first year of marriage and we were in our apartment and, and one night there was this crazy sound coming from the wall and what had happened was with a, that uh, I think a, a squirrel had found its way. <laughs> Focus, stop laughing at me. Uh, it found its way, you know, bet- in, like between the sheetrock. And it would, it would just even make noises. And we were tolerating it, but one day, apparently, this squirrel found friends and threw a party. Because it was crazy. And so I had to get up in the middle of the night and start banging the wall. I'm like, stop it or invite me in. You know, like, this, what are you doing in there? And so my wife, like, tells me, hey, listen, you got to go to the office, you know, the apartment complex office. you got to complain. I'm like, okay, I got it. Next morning, I get up, go to the office. There's a lady there. I walk up, and I go, hello. And she turns around. She goes, well, hello. She's British, right? And so I go, well, hello to you, too. Because, you know, do you know, you know this, right? With British people, you want to talk like them when you're around them. It's the coolest thing ever. And so I go, hello. And she goes, what seems to be the problem? I go, well, we have a screw problem. She, she goes, you have a, you have a what? A scroll. Oh, I can't say this word. So I said, scroll. We have a scroll problem, really. We do. She goes, I'm sorry, you have a what? You have a, a scroll. Scroll problem? Scroll. Scroll problem, lady. Three rats. Have you heard of them? And she just looks at me like, okay, we'll see what we can do about that. I go, well, okay. See you later. And so I left. And as I was leaving, I thought, this woman has no idea what I was talking about. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us, because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. And I want to pray for uh, more me than you, honestly, uh, because I don't want you to leave here and uh, walk out thinking, so what was he talking about? So can we pray together? Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning. God, I'm aware, of, uh, I'm aware of your presence here. God, these people didn't come out to hear me. Nothing is going to sustain them except 
your voice speaking into their souls. Nothing is going to heal them but your whisper. Nothing is going to transform them but your presence. So God, would you come? Would you allow us to sense you and feel you? Holy Spirit, would you speak inside of me and in spite of me this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me ask you a question. Was there a time in your life you trusted God more than you do right now? You trusted God more than you do right now in this moment. Maybe it was the time you were, you were younger. Things were good. Hope was high. Faith was untainted. You believed anything was possible, but not anymore. It seems like you kind of grew up, went through life, and life kind of did things to you. Fast forward through disappointment and pain, loss, you find yourself in this moment right now where, honestly, you trusted him more a month ago, maybe two years ago, five years ago. Right now, you don't trust him as much as you did. You don't believe as much. Your faith has been affected by life, by sorrow, disappointment. You don't believe like you used to. You feel like you justified it because you've kind of grown up and you have reason to because as you look at your life, you realize through heartbreak and problems, through loss, that sometimes God doesn't show up. And maybe, just maybe, He's not all loving. You're frustrated, but you don't want to confess it. You're angry at Him. Some of you have flat out ignored Him for the past month. You're just doing the motions, going through them. Well, this morning, I want to help you believe again. I want to help you believe that God is able to do immeasurably more, more than you can dream or imagine in your life. And I want you this morning to step into a space, a space that I call irrational confidence. Irrational confidence in God's faithfulness. It's a space where beyond reason and logic, you confess that you're going to believe in Him and trust in Him. You don't even know why. You don't need to know why. Because in this space, you have this irrational confidence in God's supernatural faithfulness in your life. But you have to step into it. Some of us are not there. We're back here. But I want you to step into it. And I'm hoping my story will help you with that. As I told you, I'm Pakistani. My family is a Pakistani family. But early on, we migrated to Kuwait. And so, there we were, my brother, older brother, my two sisters, and my under, younger brother. We were there, grew, grew up as a Muslim-Sunni family in Kuwait, conservative family. And in the late 80s, my brother, in fact, got accepted to a college in the U.S. Now, he got accepted to, let me tell you, a Methodist university in South Carolina. <laughs> right. We didn't know what Methodist meant. We were like, America, that's awesome. He is going to America. 
And so we put him on a, you know, on a plane and send him to South Carolina. The next year he comes back and he's like, hey, I'm Christian. You're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so um, uh, my reaction to that was I grabbed him, pinned him against the wall, and I said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, our relationship uh, didn't, uh, didn't, it didn't help the relationship. And then he began to tell me why, and then he began to share it with my brothers and sisters, and I threatened him so badly, I was furious. And so he backed off, he didn't tell mom and dad. He went back to the U.S., and then in 1990, the Gulf War took place. And there we were as a, as a Pakistani immigrant family stuck in Kuwait during the Gulf War. We survived the Gulf War, amazingly enough, and then after the liberation of Kuwait, I got a chance to come to the U.S., and I got to tell you, I was excited. Now, I wasn't excited about my brother being all this Jesus guy, but I was excited. You know why? Blonde people. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, more, more the women than the dudes. <laughs> got to be honest, that's just how I roll. Uh, but I was excited. I was like, blonde people, that's awesome. And so I got in a plane, and I came to the U.S. But ironically, I flew into Miami. <laughs> right? There are no white people in Miami. They all look like me. I'm like, uh, this is the wrong country. This is not America. And so finally I did end up in South Carolina, uh, where I found blonde people. And, uh, and so I knew my brother was going to talk to me about Jesus, but I didn't want anything to do with this. I was a Muslim guy. I was happy with it. All good. And so his friends started inviting me to a collegiate group uh, called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And they assured me there would be blonde women there. And so I said, sign me up. And so I started attending FCA as a Muslim kid, trying to get a girlfriend, okay? And so every week I would hear about this gospel, I would hear about Jesus and having a personal relationship with God, and this whole theory seemed ridiculous. Because I don't know if you know this, if, you're, if you believed in Jesus your whole life, uh, this idea of Jesus and the gospel is like, is, is just ridiculous, because to, to believe that God himself, the creator of the universe, wants to have a personal relationship with you. I mean, how important are you, really? And so I, when I would hear that, I thought, ah, they can't be true. These people think they're so special. They're really not. God is up there, and he's, he's, a, he's almighty Allah, or God, whoever you want to call him. And he, he, he wants you to live your life, be good, and that's it. But I kept hearing that God wanted to have a personal relationship with me. And so one night, as Mahmoud and I were walking the streets of Charleston, we started talking and then it turned to an argument, and I said, well, I, I think this whole idea of yours is pretty stupid. To think that God himself wants to come and wants to have a personal relationship with me. And I told him, I said, are you telling me that if I would just ask Jesus to reveal himself to me, he'll do it? In fact, I was walking by a bush and I said, hey, so you're telling me if, if I can just say, Jesus, come and burn this bush and he'll do it. And to my surprise, he got all serious and said, if you ask him, he'll do it. And I thought, you're an idiot. And you smoke crack. I mean, I don't know, whatever, I don't know, what do you smoke? I don't even know if you can smoke crack, actually. I thought... This guy is ridiculous. But it bothered me that how confident he was. It really bothered me. And so the next time I'm at FCA, they end in prayer, and I look up and I go, all right, so if this is true, I want to know. But this is not true, is it? 
I'm talking to myself, right? Okay, that's what I figured. That was my prayer. Three nights later, I'm in my room trying to fall asleep. And you know how when you want to fall asleep, you're kind of, you, you have to like move around your bed and kind of find that spot. If you've got a pillow, you've got to like get it exactly right. So I shut off all the lights. I've only got one light next to me, but I'm, I'm trying to get into my spot before I turn that light off. And, and all of a sudden, I feel like the room has changed. Like death walked in. Uh, my body begins uh, reacting. My, bl- my heart begins pounding. I feel like I'm, I should be scared to death, but I can't see anything. And, but the next second I do see something, and I'm, as I'm pr- trying to process what's going on, uh, something grabs me from my shoulders, drags me, and pins me to my pillow. I know, this is crazy stuff. And then the, I, my body begins to react, and, uh, but something comes on and it sits on my legs and finally just paralyzes everything. And the only thing I can move is my, is my neck and my eyes are open. I'm thinking, what's going on? Moving around. I'm looking back. There's, I can't see it, but I can see something holding me down. And I feel so af- afraid, like, like I'm going to die. Finally, I start screaming bloody murder in every language, you know? And, and, and I'm hoping my brother will hear me because I can't hear myself, but I'm still screaming. And this door finally opens up, and in walks this demon. This demon. And I'm thinking, uh, I'm a Muslim, like, wrong house. Like, we, we're not into demons, or vampires, or zombies. You know, we're, what do you, what, what, what do you do? What? And I'm thinking, it's just this thing starts walking up towards me, and it begins to talk to me. And I'm like, oh! And, and it says, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think so. And so it walk, starts walking up, and I'm thinking, oh, some, I ticked off some dude up there. And so maybe I ticked off Allah. See, in, in Islam, it's, it's a sin to doubt. And here I was attending FCA. Darn those blonde women. <laughs> so I'm like, Allah is mad. He's, he's going to kill me because of this. And then I thought, maybe, maybe it's Jesus. He looks nothing like the pictures. <laughs> I was like, maybe this is something else. I'm, uh, and so as he's walking closer and closer, I am freaking out even more and more. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, somebody up there help. Allah, Buddha, Oprah, somebody. <laughs> you know? Somebody help. And this thing, she starts walking closer and closer. I'm like, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. As, clo- as soon as it gets really close to me, I think of Jesus in a weird sense, in a weird way, and then it disappears. Whatever was holding me lets go. And whatever was holding my legs lets go. And I'm, I'm, I'm just stunned there. Just sitting in my bed going, what? What in the world? And so I get up and I run out of the room like a little girl and I wake up my brother and I go, what the blankety blank did you do? What did you put in my drink? Would you do something? What did you do? What, what, are, you, what are you doing to me? Because I know there, I mean, the story is unbelievable. It's like, what, what, what were you on? And I wasn't on anything. So I'm like telling him the story and he goes, well, well maybe it was a dream. I'm like, I didn't even fall asleep. He goes, well... Um, you know, angels and demons are real. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they're real. Jesus actually spends a lot of time interacting and coming against them. And I'm like, I never heard that at FCA. What? And he goes, yeah, they're real. I'm like, okay, well, there is an ugly, nasty, invisible, sort of visible guy who wants to kill me. Like, I need some serious help. He goes, well, well, um, 
uh, okay, well, and then he starts telling me about Jesus and the gospel and, you know, and, and forgiveness of sins and guilt. And he goes through it, and it was great. And, but I just stopped him. I was like, listen, listen, this is all wonderful, but I need some serious guns. I need, I need some serious backup here. I, got, I need help. Like, I need some, I was convinced that I was going to die. And it was, inv- it was this invisible thing was going to kill me. And so he said, well, I just know one person who has authority over demons and angels. And I go, who? He goes, Jesus. And I was like, well, all right. Well, let's do this. Let's, <laughs> let's figure this out. Let's add him on Facebook or Twitter. Let's just, what, what, what do we need to do to make the introduction? Let's do this. And he goes, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm like, okay. So he takes me through the prayer and all that. I'm like, okay. And then I pray. I'm like, I want you. He says, you want to pray? I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to pray. I had never prayed like that because I usually prayed with a mat and in a different language because that's what Islam wants you to do. And so that's how you talk to your maker. But this prayer was kind of off the mat. It was, it was just me speaking in English. And I just said this. I said, Jesus, I don't know who you are. So I can't say you're the Lord of my life. I don't know you. I can't say I love you. I can't say anything. In one sense, I can't even promise anything. I, I, I just don't know who you are, Jesus. But if you will save me from this, I will give you my whole life. And so I prayed the prayer. I prayed that, and then my brother prayed again. And, and uh, we said, amen, amen. It was all good. And I was like, okay. Still scared. <laughs> you know? And he goes, well, uh, I'll tell you what. And he gives me a Gideon Bible, the world's smallest Bible. It's the green ones. You know those green Bibles? Right. He gives me that. I kid you not. He gives me that. He's like, read John, and I'll see you in the morning. And I'm like, move over. I'm spooning you. <laughs> like, no. No. I'm not going back in that room. He's like, no, you've got to go back in that room. I'm like, no. I do not need to go back in that room. You go back in your room with your tiny Bible. I'm not going back in that room. He goes, no, no, you've got to go back in that room. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, no, you know Jesus more than I do. You go back in that room, buddy. <laughs> we look the same. Maybe he'll think it's you, me. You know, just go. You know? I'm not going back in that room. He goes, no, you've got to go back in that room. I'm like, no, I don't need to go back in that room. I can love Jesus here. You know? It's right here. He goes, no, no, you've got to go back. I'm like, fine. So I take this tiny Bible, and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you can't even hide behind that Bible. You know, like, uh, well, like this. Like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, give me something bigger. You know, uh, bigger. Because I'm thinking, this is the Word of God. This is your holy Bible. This is it. Like, I, you can't even throw that to at a demon, right? It's like, okay, now what? You know, it's like nothing. So I walk in, going in, like, turn on all the lights. I'm like, I can't believe what I'm, what's happening. And so I, I stay on my you know, bed and start reading John. And I'm like, okay, okay. And do you know when you're scared, like everything makes a sound? Everything. I'm like, oh, what was that? Oh, that was just me thinking. Like, okay, 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 what was that? It's, it's, you're freaked out. So I turned, that, it went on for an hour and frustration turned to anger. And I put the Bible down and I just thought, I am a Muslim I'm a Sunni Muslim, I'm Pakistani. I just want to be that. You know, I just want to be that. Just whoever you are, could you just leave me alone? You know, I, I don't want to do any of this. I, I just went through a war. I've left all 
my, my family, my belongings. I, I, I don't have, I have a suitcase and I've come to this foreign country and I just, I just want things to be a little normal. And I, 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 I just, I, I just, could, could you just fix this? And then I started getting mad. Like, what, what did I do? How, how, I mean, I'm not a bad guy. I mean, I didn't do anything. Why am I fa- having to face this? And so finally, I put the Bible down, and I went, shut off all the lights. I got back into my bed, and I looked up, and I said, Jesus, if I die tonight, it is your fault. <laughs> I'm serious. My prayer life has gotten better. It has. But that's all I knew to say. And so then I, after that, I put the covers over my head, and I got into this position. Because that position really didn't help me at all. And so, I would, uh, you know, and I was hoping nothing would happen. And a couple of minutes later, I began to feel like someone was shaking me. Like trying to wake me up. And I'm like, oh. I'm thinking, um, maybe it's my brother. He changed his mind. He wants to come and spoon. I don't know. But it just kept on, and I'm like, this is a weird kind of a shake. Oh, no, oh, no. And I kept on thinking, whatever you do, just don't open your eyes. doesn't matter what happens, just don't open your eyes. The next second, I find myself sitting on my bed with my eyes open, thinking, what are you doing with your eyes open? <laughs> and there he was. There he was. Jesus. And I got to tell you, he is intoxicating. Like I couldn't keep my eyes off of him, but I couldn't keep my eyes open. I've never, ever felt such aggressive peace, such beauty that's beyond my capacity to comprehend. And there he was, he said, I'm Jesus. And your life is not your own. And then he put me to sleep. I just remember looking at him, but it felt like I was inside of him. It was strangely beautiful and yet familiar. The next morning I woke up and I I went to my brother and I said, okay, so I'm supposed to be in ministry. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Yeah, please, God, don't make me a priest. (laughs) But it all started, it all started with my brother. And if I could take this time, can I, and he's actually in the room this morning. He started it all. Can you give him a hand? Can you just do that? And so, so what he started, it kept on going. It was me and then my sister and my other sister and my other brother. And my mom and dad are still in the middle of it. Uh, they're not yet believers in Jesus that were believing God for that. See, my story is a story that doesn't make any sense. Why would God take a guy who was an immigrant in one country, move him to another country, and make him an immigrant in another country, make him learn all these languages, and then save him supernaturally? Because that's God. And so when you look at your relationship with him, and you think about all the prayers that you've 
prayed and the ones that haven't been answered, when you look at your life and you wonder, why is God allowing this? And, and why, did they, why did they have to let him go now? Like, right, why now? As you deal with anxiety, this, this, this anxiety that's eating up your mind and it seems like your emotions are so raw because you're so afraid of how your kids are going to turn out and what they're going to do and the next decision. You're so fearful of the next big problem. You got diagnosed with a disease and you're thinking, why? I thought you loved me. Why? Cancer? Really? Now? Why? As you look at that, our faith is tested, isn't it? The faithfulness of God is tested. But I want you to know something, regardless of what's going on in your life right now, if there is one thing I can tell you and encourage you with, is that God's doing something in you, and I, can, I know what it is. Right now, God is trying to increase your faith. Right now, God is wanting you to walk in from wherever you are right now into a space, and this space is called an irrational confidence space. The space of if, of irrationally believing that God is faithful and able and willing to do things beyond your imaginations and beyond your dreams. It is a space of your future, not your past. But you have to step into it, and it requires one thing. It doesn't require a perfect track record of sin or no sin. It requires one thing. It is trust. See, religion, any sort of it, wants you to obey. It has a set of rules, and those rules make you worthy of heaven. But with the gospel, it's never been about obedience. It's about trust. If you know the, the, the humanity's story as portrayed in the scriptures, it started with Adam, and the fall took place because of one thing, one act of a lack of trust on behalf of Adam and Eve. One act. I think, God, you don't know what will satisfy us. I think we know better. And so they broke trust. They did not believe him. So isn't it interesting how when Jesus steps into human history, what does he preach? What does he talk about? He says there's one thing you can do. There's only one thing you can do to regain, to reconnect with the God of the universe, the one who loves you. There's only one thing all of humanity can do and needs to do to step back into a relationship with God. It has nothing to do with obedience. It has everything to do with one simple act of trust that says, I'm going to irrationally believe that you are able. So faith comes by trusting in the invisible. It's always been about trust. It will always be about trust. And that is the one thing God gets really, really excited about. Let me show you this passage of Scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 8. This is a passage where Jesus, he gets so excited about faith. It's in chapter 8, verse 5. It says, when Jesus has entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. A centurion is a guy that has about 100 soldiers that he's over. And he said, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed in terrible suffering. So Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. 
This is kind of crazy. Think about this. You've got Jesus. He's doing his thing, healing you know, uh, people, kissing babies. That's what he's doing, right? He's got the disciples with him. And now the centurion comes to him. The centurion is obviously a Roman soldier. The disciples probably thinking they're going to be in trouble. They're going to be arrested because here's this rabbi doing amazing, crazy stuff. And he's coming with obviously different, uh, about 100 guards or so. He comes up to him and says, Jesus, I need your help. I have a servant that needs healing. So the disciples are probably thinking, okay, we're good. We're good. Another day. That's good. He just needs some healing. The centurion goes on. Right? He says, I need, I need some help. And Jesus says something that's ridiculous. He says, um, well, should I come and heal him? Which, you know, I mean, if you're one of the disciples, think about it. If you're there, you're thinking, hey, we're busy. This guy, I mean, he's all okay, but you really want to do that. But the centurion goes on. He says this. He says, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Well, I just stop right there. I just stop right there. Okay. Uh, what? What? If you're Peter, I'm sure you're thinking, that's not how it works. Okay, you're an amateur. Let me just tell you. Uh, he just spit on that dude's eye. And he touched so-and-so here. And he did this, that. I mean, this, this healing wirelessly does not happen. Okay. He's, Jesus has to show up. There's got to be a hard line connection here. Get in line, buddy. But this centurion keeps on going. He says this. He says, uh, for I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. Yeah, okay, buddy, show off. All right. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and that one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So the centurion just freaked everybody out. In fact, he freaked Jesus out. You know what he said? He said, Jesus, I've been watching you. You and I are sort of the same because I have authority over these hundred men and I can tell this one soldier, hey, I need you to go get me a falafel extra hummus. (laughs) And he has to do it. You know why he has to do it? Not because I'm so special. He has to do it because I represent authority that's bigger and greater than me. I represent Rome. I'm a Roman centurion. I have authority over him. I can just tell him, he does it. Jesus, I think I've realized something. You and I are the same. You have authority, not on soldiers, but you have authority over sickness and healing. You don't have to show up to make things happen. You can just say it. Jesus, I'm betting you have authority over sickness and death you can just say it and it'll happen what does Jesus do Jesus says this I tell you the truth I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their place at the feast of Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven you know that word astonished Right, Jesus said, uh, uh, I tell you the truth, I, you know, he, Jesus heard this, he was astonished, right? That word is this word called thamadzu. Can you say thamadzu? Let's say that, thamadzu. This is the word that God, Jesus used, and he hasn't used it anywhere else in the text, in the scriptures. This is the word that says, what? <laughs> That's my translation of it, though. <laughs> He's saying, look at this. 
Look at this. This, this guy, this guy's a Greek guy. He has little to no faith. He's not even a Jewish guy. And this guy has more faith than all of Israel. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking, really? Okay, he's not special. You know, you haven't been out much, Jesus. Like, what? I mean, this guy has more faith? Because Jesus is saying this. He's saying, listen, listen, he just, this guy just stepped into a place, a place of irrational confidence in my power. This guy's a Greek, so that's why he tells the guys, he says, listen, there'll be people from east and west. There'll be people from all different countries and nations, not the Jewish nation. I mean, all over the world, and they will step into this place, and they will be... They'll take place in the kingdom of heaven because of faith. Not obedience, not laws, not anything else, not heritage, not where they're from. No, because of faith. They will step into that just like this guy did. It is all about faith. It'll always be about faith. Always be about faith. And so he says to us, he says to you, you who are wondering why in the world would God allow this to take place? To you, you who's, who's wondering, why did he have to break up with me? Like, like I thought we were, we were it. This was it. Like, do I have to be single again? Do, do, this, do I need, why can't I unstuck my life? Like, why, God, why, why do you hate me? Have you ever thought that? God, why, why would you allow this why could you not just give me a break what is Jesus saying to us well he's saying I need you to step into a space it's a space that the centurion stepped into it's a space that's called irrational confidence in my faithfulness and power. He'd, he'd tell us and he'd tell you and me, hey, I need you to trust me. I know, but God, but it's so I need you to trust me. It doesn't make any sense. It might never to you. But I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. What do you think? God, what are you doing in my life? I'm trying to grow your faith. You remember that thing that you stopped trusting me for? That, that prayer you stopped praying about a month ago? I need you to go back to that. You remember when you believed me more than you did now? I need you to go back to that. And you can say, God, but I don't know you. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I cannot figure it out in my mind that it would ever work out because it can't. And God would say to you, I, I know, I know, but I need you to step out of wherever you are into this space of irrational confidence that, 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 that comes against logic and reason. I need you to trust me. It has always been about trust. I can move supernaturally. I can just say the word. And just because I'm not saying it right now doesn't mean I don't love you. But I need you to trust me that I am the God of the impossible. I'm the God of the invisible. 
And I am moving on your behalf even now. In fact, I have moved on your behalf before you were born. Because before you were born, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I've been dreaming about you. So I need you to trust me. So where are you? What do you need to do today to step into that space? Maybe you're just walking around going, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't know, I'm here because someone invited me, and I don't know, I don't know, I have a lot of questions. Uh, maybe you're here going, I have a lot of disappointment, there's, there's, uh, I, I'm just not a church guy, I'm not a church girl, I just, I, I don't want that, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. And, and honestly, I, I need to see a lot more, uh, you know, of God before I step into that space, I just need, need to see a lot more. And God is saying, I need you to just step into that space so then you can actually begin to see what's going on. And so if you want to have eyes to see what's going on in your life and you want to see me, you've got to do it in this space because this space is a space of faith and trust. It is a space of ruthlessly trusting in His faithfulness regardless how many tears you have cried. And you scream out, God, I want to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Because sometimes you just have to do it, not for anyone else, but for your soul to hear. I'm going to trust you ruthlessly. I'm going to do it. It makes no sense, but I'm going to do it. Could you imagine going through life with an irrational confidence? That regardless what you face and what you might face in the future, you will have confidence, irrational confidence in His faithfulness. I guarantee you, your life will look different. Your marriage will look different. You will raise your kids differently. You would pursue your career differently. You would have a purpose in life that you've never, ever stepped into. Because now you're in a place of irrational confidence in His faithfulness to you. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I know there are people here. Father, I know that there are people here who are so consumed with doubt, consumed with hopelessness. Some people are consumed with thoughts and ideas. Anxiety has taken over. They don't even know where one thought ends and the other one starts. It seems that they worry about something and then they start worrying and then they make themselves worry about even more things. It seems like a perpetual cycle. And God, right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus, would you come and bring peace as people step into this irrational confidence in a space that say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you. God, would you reveal yourself to them the way you revealed yourself to me? God, do something. More than that, let them see something that they've never seen before as they step into this space. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.